0: My what podcast today, change change, change. To of change, change. Of course, we're talking about You're change. Changing. Of course, why not? So, I'm gonna, tell you, like I'm gonna, tell, you I'm gonna tell you the truth. I'm gonna I'm tell you the truth, too. Here's my podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody, tonight? It is Monday, 7 o'clock p.m., and we are back at it again, BSTL, Building Something That Lasts. My name is Andre, and I am both host and founder of this wonderful, wonderful company that is seeking to just uh, do all things leadership and just empower and equip Uh, Leaders to just move um, from wherever they are to the next level. And I know that you've been enjoying this, and yes, I know it's beginning to get a little bit colder and stuff like that out here in the north, uh, the near north, whatever you want to call it. But the reality is we're still alive, still on this side of the topsoil, so we've still got a lot of work to do. So anyways, um, I want to jump right into this thing, right? Um, And today, uh, we're going to be talking about thinking uh, micro and working macro. Thinking micro and working macro. So um, for those of us that are a little bit older, uh, we'll remember that there used to be this show um, called the uh, Undercover Boss, right? Undercover Boss. And there, there were a couple of other shows that kind of had that similar type of spinoff. And for those of you that don't know about it, Google it. Um, it's worth watching. I'm sure that there's got to be some stuff that you'll enjoy on YouTube and maybe some other spaces. But this idea of the undercover boss, um, I loved it as a show, by the way. I should just say that. And the undercover boss basically goes like this. Um, there are, or there were, uh, different bosses for different organizations that wanted to get a sense of how their uh, companies were running from the front line, right? So what happens is you've got this CEO or the owner of the company uh, who has many different satellite um, spots around the country, the United States primarily. And what they would do is uh, they would go into disguise and, and they would go into one of their locations with cameras and staff and so on and so forth and pretend to be somebody that they were not. Ingenious idea. Whoever came up with that show, I'd love to work with them and for them. I don't know. Maybe somebody will hear this and they'll give me a call. So here's what happens. Um, when they when they go into disguise and whether it's a woman or a man, they put on mustache or, you know, different outfits, change their eye color change their body language etc they would just go in there and pretend like they were looking for a job and then they would be working on the front line and really the reason why they were doing this was uh, because they wanted to get a sense of what would have been happening on the front line since they were more accustomed to working you know out of the corner office right so what ends up happening is is that as they now go into this disguise pretending to be somebody that they are not um they they were were able to get a sense of what was happening. And of course, the show would last for about 30 minutes, maybe up to an hour. And by the time they got to the end of the show, they would come out of the the disguise... And they would um, reveal themselves to their frontline workers and everybody would be laughing saying, I knew that you were not, you know, who we thought you were, but we just weren't sure, you know, whatever. So it's really, really, it was really, really a good show. And the reality is, is that by moving from the corner office to the frontline, it actually created a better sense of awareness of how the the business functioned, um, how it operated, as well as some of the gaps. uh, that they would not necessarily know because, you know, when you're in that corner office... Usually you're you're more concerned with the bottom line numbers, but sometimes the numbers don't reveal and tell you everything about what it is that your company is doing and what it stands for. Even if you have a clear mission, vision, and core value type thing, right? So here's what ends up happening: by the time they get to the end of the show, there's there's like a couple of things with intentionality that they were doing. Number one, uh, they would they would at least be a lot more clear in terms of the operation what we need to do in order to make what we're doing better. But number two, the other thing that they learned um, through this process is: um, here are the actual real people. That work on the front line. And even though we may not know them so well, and we may not know who their families are, because again, we're in the corner office, you're now putting a face to a name, to a voice, to an emotion, to a real person. So they're no longer just a, uh, you know, an employee number. They're a real person. So, of course, we're talking about thinking uh, micro and working macro. Uh, Ultimately, what made this undercover boss show so important and so impacting is that this person, whoever they are that works out of the the corporate office, you know, the, the CFO, the CEO, whatever the title may be, they had to learn that, look, when I give a directive from my office and it trickles all the way down, even though I may hope to see something happen as As a result of this directive, as I'm trying to improve and better the overall organization, I I have to understand how it all works up front so that I know what I'm doing behind the scenes. So this is the conversation for today, right? Because I think that uh, there isn't one way to lead. There are multiple ways to lead. Like there are different ways to be impacting um, both in a positive way and in a negative way. But you've got to understand process. Right. So here's what happens now. Uh, Somebody who has been working on the front lines, they've now um, began to move up the ranks. And when I say ranks, again, this is always going to be tongue in cheek because the reality is who really moves up? It's not so much that you're moving up. You just have a different responsibility. You're still being called to serve and, and be a servant leader to some degree to every single person that is accountable to you. Right. So you begin to move up now. Right. So, you used to be on the front line, and so you know how things work, and you know exactly what needs to happen. You know who to call on to do whatever needs to be done. And here's the reality, and maybe here's the challenge as we get further into this conversation. Because everybody knows you, and they know that you know what you're doing, even though you've now moved up into a team lead, a supervisor, a director, a manager, a VP role, you're now beginning to no longer operate and function at a level that really speaks to what your new job description is right so what ends up happening is because you know what you're doing on that micro level even though you're now you know working employed to do something on a macro level because you're 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 not fully detached From what you used to do, you run the risk of actually becoming a manager who's really functioning and working as a frontline worker. And can I just say this? I don't think that that's the best business practice, right? I actually do think that on some level, it is okay for people to to see you a little bit different and see that you are functioning in a different kind of way because you are no longer working in that type of capacity. And I think that some Sometimes leaders, they shoot themselves in the foot because they know what some of the gaps are and they know what some of the challenges are. And so rather than pivoting and transitioning into a new role and embracing what it is, there's this tendency to use my new um, uh, my new function, my new job description Um to, to, to allow me the flexibility of still functioning the way that I used to be working, right? So the reason why we're having this conversation is there is, um, to the detriment of the leader, a problem when you're no longer operating in your new capacity, but you're really functioning in your old capacity, Right. So here's the thing. When you're on the front line, you're able to identify what the issues are, what the things are that need to be adjusted. That's what you do on the front line. You complain a little bit when something doesn't happen or a process, there isn't one or there's no policy or procedure that guides a specific direction. That's what happens on the front line. And, and of course, because it is frontline and it's probably a little bit more hands-on, you don't have the time throughout your day to really problem solve what some of those issues may be. Now, this is the beauty of what leadership looks like and or what leadership is intended to be. When you are a leader who understands what happens on the front line, your major responsibility as you transition away from being front line isn't to get your hands dirty with the day-to-day mundane work of what that looks like. Your responsibility is to now transition and figure out how can I create the solution to make the work easier on the front line, especially um, if I have an understanding of how it all comes together, right? So the reality is, is that people who work for large organizations and maybe even mid-size organizations, when they begin to create this type of um, business structure that has different layers of leadership, really what they're doing is they're trying to find checks and balances to help support the mission and vision, but also put some space in between frontline workers and those that they will now report to. So here's the thing, and I'm saying this to leaders, and and you don't have to agree with me on this. If most of your day is spent micromanaging and getting your hands dirty in the things that you used to do, and let me also say this, I have to put this uh, disclaimer Um, I'm not saying that you should never leave the corner office and do some of what you used to do. Because as a matter of fact, uh, that demonstrates a level of empathy and compassion for those that uh, report to you. If you can come out of the office and still remember to log in on certain systems and do specific things and function at a high level, that will motivate those that are working for you, with you, those that are accountable to you. But, and I say this with a big B-U-T, Big conjunction right there, negative conjunction. If you now find yourself out on the floor with those that are frontline more often than you are with your, your, your door closed, even though you have an open door policy, you're no longer operating in the way that you need to in order to help them to do their job better. Because here's what happens. When you are now in some type of a leadership, supervisory role, uh, management type of role, leading type of role, you're actually being paid to figure out how can we do this thing better to remove some of the angst and the frustration and some of the anxiety. Well, if you're doing uh, their job, then that means you're no longer doing your job. Right. And so the thing is, is that when you go into some of these month ends and you have to do some of these reviews and you're trying to analyze and understand why things are improving or why things are not improving, you're not in there to analyze it. As a frontline worker, you're in there to analyze it as a leader who needs to make sure that you are creating the type of environment that lends tremendous support to those that are working on the frontline. And I think that this is one of the mistakes that a lot of people make, and it's to both extremes, right? So to the person that is trying to show that they are still a part of the team, they may have a tendency of spending a lot of time with the team at the cost of doing their own own job, But then also to the person that was like, I can't wait to get out of there. Uh, the challenge is, is that once you have left and you no longer go back out there, because some of the, 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 the challenges may have changed since you were on the front line, you now run the risk of becoming so obsolete or or distant, disengaged from the process of what people are doing on the front line that you can no longer relate to what the frustrations are and the things that they are struggling With to the point where you may add to their responsibility and add to the things that they've got to take care of, not recognizing that you may be adding the last straw that breaks the camel's back. So, of course, now, this is where communication comes in, right? So, what ends up happening is, as leaders... We have to, you have to, we have to make sure that we are constantly communicating. And here's the thing with uh, communication, it's bilateral, right? Which means that you want to hear from those that are accountable to, um, to you, but you also Need to have them hear from you so that you can um explain to them and articulate to them, these are some of the challenges that I'm looking at, right? So when you look at your month end stats and your quarterly stats and your annual stats from a leadership perspective, you're not looking at the same thing, right? You're no longer talking just about overtime or when's lunchtime or when's the break. No, no, no. You're now going to have to change what your emphasis is because while you are thinking of um, macro and thinking micro all at the same time, you've got to make sure that you are clear on how you fit into the overall queue. How are you throughout the process? What is it that you are bringing to the table? Because here's the thing leader, no matter how high you get up on the podium, toll, um, totem pole, rather, um, Until you're actually in that main seat, you will always be accountable to somebody at some somewhere in this process. And if you are not clear on what it is that you're doing and why it is that you are now sitting in that new seat of influence and accountability, you may no longer be actually as productive as you were on the front line. So here's the other thing that I'm saying. You got to get over quickly maybe some of the guilt that some people feel when they now leave and they've now transitioned away from the front line and you miss your friends and you miss your colleagues. And it doesn't mean that you can't um, eat lunch with people and hang out with them a little bit after work. But the truth is, for those of us that have made that transition, you do recognize that after a while, some of those relationships may no longer uh, be intact And maybe that's a good thing because you've got to make sure that you've made that dichotomy between my work and your work. Now, it doesn't mean that people can't speak with you um, professionally about what's going on and and that you don't have an open-door policy which allows them to come in and speak on whatever they would like to and share whatever they would like to and even offer some suggestions. All of that is permissible. However, your job as a leader is to lead. And I can't tell you how many times um, throughout the years as a leader, there are times where I also have had to check myself, right? Because there are some things that you miss um, on the front line. And it's not that all of the front line is wear and tear and hard work. There are some real fun things that happen in the front line. But when you transition away from the front line, you've got to find a way to find your joy there and new meaning and new self-actualization there to ensure that you're not letting down the front line by desiring to have your feet in both worlds at the same time. Well, what do you mean? How would you be able to let these people down? Well, I'm glad you asked, right? So here's the reality. You let those down on the front line that now are hoping and, 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 and praying that you're going to have their best interest at heart. When you now step away and you step away in a real way and you begin to do what you're supposed to be doing, life on the front line will get better like they're going to be upset with you if you've been hanging out with them all month because that's where you know and that's what you're familiar with and, and that's what you're trying to you know, run away from or run back to because that's where you are most comfortable. At the end of the year, when somebody else in HR pulls that individual or individuals into that space and says, hey, you're not producing and we cannot increase your uh, pay because you have not produced that which is required, they're going to look at you. right so it's it's like there's this love hate thing that will happen at some point throughout the journey because here's the other piece if you're so friendly and so microed into what it is that they're doing when are you ever going to hold them accountable uh you know it's it's and 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 you know what i don't know for some people it may be easier than for others but sometimes um, familiarity it does breed contempt. And what do I mean by that? How are we going to be able to have all of that laughter and all of that joy? And then 30 minutes later, I'm going to call you into the office to say, hey, you're late. You've been late. You haven't been producing. You're not doing your work. And the list goes on. Sometimes that clean break is okay, especially if you know that you are continuing to put the pieces together to make their life a little bit Easier. So now here's the other thing too As we think about or talk about thinking micro and working macro The other piece to this too as a leader is Remember the moment you get into that job, right? As you are transitioning up with a greater level of accountability You have to also almost begin to be thinking exit strategy at the same time Let me explain to you what I mean Exit strategy does not mean that you're looking to quit But exit strategy means that you're looking to transition into a different capacity so that all of this wealth of knowledge that you've been obtaining on the front line and now in a management leadership um, um, perspective, all of those things are, are usually stepping stones that will bring you to the next level. Because here's the thing, if you never forget what it felt like to work on the front line and you continue to have that as part of how you process The information that you um, share and how you do your work, the higher up you go into that company is the better you will be as a resource to that company. Why? Because you know what it looks like from the beginning all the way through to the end. And here's maybe the little secret that I'd like to share with you. This is why organizations, they they often put a lot of bells and whistles and incentives for people that started the company at a very young age. They try to keep them there for as long as they can, not just for the intellectual property and not just for the information that they have in their mind. It's because they understand the process. And, and that's the other thing too, right? Because when you are now leading, you are also supposed to be creating processes that will work, that will create a seamless, uh, almost like rite of passage from level of leadership to level of leadership. So to the person that started there at 21 and they uh, made their way all the way up to that corner office, that person is absolutely indispensable. To the person that has come in from another organization. Of course, they're going to be really good at what they do. But do you notice what they do when they come across? Because they have not been there long enough, they'll spend their first couple of months going back to the front line because they don't have the context. They don't have the information. They don't necessarily understand the infrastructure around what works from what does not work. So to the person that has already been there for many years as they move up, that person is able to to do what they do well in a much more seamless kind of way because they know what it looks like from start to finish. To the person that has been recruited and brought in, of course they will do well because there's generally a lot of overlap between where they're coming from and what they're doing, but here's what they don't have. They don't have the interpersonal relationships with the individuals that preceded them, and so along with learning how they do what they do, what they're really trying to do, and what we ought to be doing if that's the situation that we find ourselves in is yeah, we want to know how it all works together but we've got to know who is who and that's part of why Undercover Boss was so powerful because for those of us that watched um, that series of shows we recognize that this boss didn't just learn about how their organization runs they also learned that there's some people on the grassroots that are overperforming that have um, other dreams and other other aspirations and things that they wanted to do and some of them who would struggle getting to work because they needed a new job some of them who were taking care of aging parents so they needed a vacation right so the other piece to this too is as we're thinking micro and macro micro and macro is not just the work that needs to be done it's thinking about what is it that i can give to those that are accountable to me that i am accountable to that will make sure that they don't burn out, that they don't become disenfranchised, that they don't become bored. If I don't understand who I'm working with, then I cannot create for them anything more or above and beyond just the workflow, but I've got to get them to know the people as well that are working for me because my frontline, that's where the most valuable people are within the system. I mean, yes, I understand that because you're a leader, you may be getting more compensation for the work that you do because you are being held to a higher level of accountability but don't get it twisted you have to keep your eyes on your frontline workers because they are the ones that are taking the hits for every gap every challenge every process that is not clearly defined it's them And because it's them, you've got to understand the work that they do, but you've also got to understand who they are also. Wow, we're finished. Look at that. We're already done. This is a great conversation today. And really what I'm saying is if you are a leader, you've got to be able to think and work both micro and macro as often as you can. But let me also say this, if you've been promoted and moved to a different cubicle, a different office, a, a different corner office, know this, that while you may miss where you're coming from, it is to your benefit that you embrace that lonely space. Because if you really want to help your front line out, You're going to have to make some distance between them so that you can make sure that you're creating different processes and different workflows to ensure that they are successful and to also ensure that you are successful. My name's Andre Anderson. I'm both host and founder of BSTL. And what's BSTL? We're building something that lasts. And oh, by the way, we are now in Spain. I'm so excited. Maybe somebody's going to help me to learn how to speak some Spanish so I can communicate in the language of love. Take care until next time. See you next week. Okay, everybody, it's time for the recap, and this is, of course, our takeaway portion. So while working at the micro level, but thinking at a macro level, leaders should remember the following. Number one, leave the corner office to assess the front lines of your organization. This will allow you a better sense of how your organization is truly functioning by exposing any unforeseen gaps. Number two, maintain an open-door policy to allow a level of conversation where you hear the concerns of your frontline workers while sharing yours. Number three, and finally, plan an exit strategy for the betterment of yourself. Look to transition within the organization, allowing yourself the ability to work in a different capacity, which may actually leave room for those that you've been mentoring and helping them to become the best persons that they can be. Those are our three takeaways for this week. We'll see you again next week. Take care for now. Bye-bye.